This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Our guest today is Duncan McNichol, who will share his experience of working internationally. If you're interested in working or volunteering away from the U.S., you'll need to think about how long you'll be gone. Will you get paid? And before you go, do you need working papers? Give us a call this morning. Our phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672-7464. Or send an email. It's money at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Money Talks from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MBB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Today our guest is Duncan McNichol, who will share his experience of working internationally. If you're interested in working or volunteering away from the U.S., you'll need to think about some things, such as how long you'll be gone, uh, whether you'll get paid, and before you go, if you'll need any working papers. You can give us a call this morning with any questions that you have. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464, or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're always looking for your personal finance questions each Tuesday as well. A reminder that if you miss part of the show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again uh, to this week's show or any of our past shows as well. And also you could download the MPB Public Radio app for your smartphone, then you get to listen to MPB Think Radio on your schedule. So good morning to you both. Hope that you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Morning. Uh, financial news, uh, Forrest Ryder. Well, w- one thing that I was looking at this morning, it's kind of been an ongoing story and it's building a little momentum, is that the, the debt ceiling debate is back. Um, for those who don't remember last time we had a great debt ceiling debate, uh, basically the U.S. government can gets money in two ways. It raises taxes or it borrows money. And at some point in the past, Congress decided to get very sanctimonious about how much money they were borrowing, even though they were doing the borrowing and put a limit on it and so of course they keep borrowing money if there's one thing politicians like to do it's spend your money and so they keep borrowing money so they keep having to raise that debt limit and um the last time it came up was uh during during obama's presidency it came up a couple of times and they put off put it off for a number of years by raising it a good bit and the current Treasury Secretary, Steven Mnuchin, has said that the deadline is now September 29th for Congress to do something about it, and he is urging them to raise the debt ceiling. It's kind of a silly thing, but they they uh, they have to do it, and so and so people can hold things up and attach. Uh, they're trying to trying to do tax reform, and it's really going to be very hard to do tax reform without raising that debt limit. I'll have to celebrate my birthday with a debt ceiling cake this year because September 29th is my birthday. Oh, fantastic. Um, Isn't this what resulted in the government shutdown several years ago? Yes. So the government shutdown basically was, oh, hey, like we're not going to have money to pay things. There comes a certain day when the government stops taking money in uh, via borrowing. And if they're not, if they're not, you know, the tax receipts are kind of predictable. So if they don't have the money, they can't pay people. 
All right, so if you have a personal finance question for us this morning, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're also visiting with our guest Duncan McDickel in studio this morning. He has some experience in working overseas and so we're going to be talking throughout the hour about that. So thanks for joining us, Duncan. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, give us a little idea about your background. I've worked overseas for a number of years now. I, my background is in civil engineering, and I first went abroad to work in Malawi in 2010, and I ended up spending about uh, four and a half years working in water and sanitation programs there, and then went on to do my PhD at Cambridge University and have since worked in Ghana, Bolivia, India, Bangladesh, and Tajikistan as well. Um, how did you get interested in, in, um, in going overseas to, to do your work? Somehow when I was in engineering, I became really interested in, in what I heard was the global water crisis. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm learning these engineering skills and I'd like to apply them to a real, a real big world problem. And water is the type of thing where everyone seems to be able to sort of join hands and say, yes, that's, that's really important. That's a big issue. And I thought, well, you know, how, how might I work on that? How might I, I'd be involved? And, and then I started pursuing that. And I think that sort of guided my career to date. Okay. Uh, so, uh, from your list, that brief list there, you, you know, you're the, the globe trotter. Where where is your home base? Well, I'm I'm originally from Canada, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I've been living mostly abroad for the past uh, past seven or eight years, move, moving around, and uh, and I think that's led to to some interesting questions for me and sort of how I set up my life and my finances, which which lead to a little bit of the the topic for the show today, which is if you if you're interested in doing this type of work and working on big international issues. How do you set that up? Uh, what do you need to consider? And, and what are some of the exciting opportunities in that? Um, so um, if someone is thinking about, uh, I guess we're talking about uh, volunteering overseas or, or living overseas, um, what are some early things that they need to think about? What are some um, uh, the, the things that, that they need to consider before even maybe embarking on a plan? Right. The, I think a big distinction I'll try and make this morning, and I'll, I'll leave it to our callers to highlight what they're most interested in, is the sort of short-term initial volunteering, that first experience overseas, and then the, the longer-term stuff. And I think most people, myself included, usually start out with a shorter term opportunity. Maybe you go abroad for four months to uh, volunteer, work in a school, or I, I worked with district governments in Malawi the first time I went. Uh, sort of, you know, getting your getting your feet wet a little bit to see uh, see what that experience is and if you want to continue with it. And the, the first big questions, I think we'll keep coming back to this, are really, why do you want to go and what do you hope to get out of it? Because that then informs what type of experience you, you pursue and, and what you need to set up. And then these inform the logistical questions of, of where, how, and, and when, and things how, like that. How to pay for it. Exactly. And to talk about the finances of, of volunteering abroad, a big distinction first starting out is, is the paid versus unpaid. But in the early, early stages, it's very, very difficult to get well-paid work. I think when I first went abroad, I was paid $20 a day. Which is fine if you're living in a village in rural Malawi, but uh, is not really uh, laying the foundation for for a strong financial future on its own. And that's not going to pay for its plane ticket or anything like that either. No. Well, the, I was fortunate enough to have a, uh, a an internship where I didn't have to pay. So things like insurance and things like uh, airfare and, and that type of thing. It meant that I didn't lose money, but compared to what I would have made uh, doing perhaps an engineering co-op position, I wasn't making money to speak of. It wasn't a career. No. At that point. At that point. But now sort of, you know, I'm, I'm getting on into 10, 8 to 10 years of doing this type of work, about to finish my PhD. Now I'm at the point where I can go back and, and start to say, I can make a career out of this. Uh, what brings you to Mississippi? Uh, my wife. I, okay. We recently got married, and uh, my my lovely wife is from Mississippi. Very good. Um, so are there a lot of opportunities? Um, did you when you decided that you you wanted to use some of your your uh, schooling uh, knowledge uh, to help in these international projects? Was it easy to find someone that needed help? I think there are lots of opportunities in general for the short term uh, openings. Getting a longer term paid position is is more difficult but finding a, sh a short term opportunity that's paid is much much more competitive the uh 
the, the system usually is to get a, a full-time job, you need sort of three to five years experience in a master's degree to have sort of a professional level salary. And getting that, that initial experience usually means that, that you're paying out of pocket to, to go and volunteer and do something. But there are some fellowships, things like Global Health Corps or Peace Corps or things like that, where you could at least have your costs covered to help get some of that initial experience. So you mentioned uh, your your first foray uh, was just, you know twenty dollars a day or whatever. So a lot of and I think that's how a lot of people, especially here, would start out. Is you know I mean I went on a mission trip when I was younger. A lot of people go on mission trips or maybe you do a little program abroad with your high school or study abroad with your college. If someone is looking, are are those sort of experiences those unpaid experiences? Are those would are those indicative of what someone would be doing um, longer term if they if they were looking at I want to kind of dip my toes in this see what it's like to work abroad see what it's like to volunteer abroad are those are those you know one two week programs is that practical I think that those those early programs are really important for for testing that that experience of do you like working overseas are you interested in those issues what I think changes is the level of of experience and effectiveness that people can bring once once they're later on into their careers everyone I know who's now doing amazing work whether they're doing cutting edge research in HIV AIDS or disaster response or things like that everyone started somewhere a lot of people with with a mission trip and then it's sort of later on in their careers they're able to come back and say well, well, now I'm a doctor or now I'm a, a lawyer or now I have, you know, some specific expertise that I can really offer at, at a much higher level where, you know, perhaps they're helping a government to develop policies or, or something like that. The short term opportunity isn't touching on on that level of, mm-hmm. of sophistication, that level of impact. But I think it is important uh, to develop some of those foundational experiences and to develop some of those connections with with other parts of the world to realize, well, you know, I could contribute to something like this, and maybe it'll take time to to get to really being effective. But uh, but those those foundational experiences, I think, are essential. Awesome. And I, and I guess the idea of that you are helping out on on these important projects is is part of the value and and of the experience. What what else? Uh, how else was this international experience valuable to you? Do you think in your life? I. One thing that that I keep coming back to is is seeing interacting with different cultures really. Forming a belief for me that that a lot of people are fundamentally the same. They're you know people are trying to they're looking for opportunities. They're trying to get on with their lives, and you know they they're looking for a good meal or, or something like that. And that we're all we're all kind of the same at a very basic level. And and build, having some of those realizations and building some of those connections has really made me want to participate in a way that I, I don't think I would have if I, if I hadn't had those experiences. Uh, and so I think that's, that's quite important. And those, those early uh, months and even, even years abroad, I, th- I think we're really about learn, developing those experiences, wanting to participate, and also appreciating the complexity of some of these challenges. When we talk about things, if you want to look at, at famine or disaster relief or water and sanitation, it's not just as simple as, as building a pump or, or delivering um, a, a truckload of, of food. These issues are really, really complex, and they're wrapped up in, in society and economics and politics and things like that. And appreciating the complexity of those those problems made me want to participate in in different ways uh in more sophisticated ways and i think that was also really important uh we need to take a break when we get back we will continue visiting with our guest duncan mcnichol is uh, sharing his experiences about living and working abroad uh, if you have any questions uh, for duncan you can give us a call also we're always looking for personal finance questions on money talk so the phone number to join the conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org we'll be back with more of the program after this
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with our guest, Duncan McNichol, who is sharing his experiences of working internationally. We've got some open phone lines. Uh, if you'd like to call in uh, with a question for Duncan about his experiences overseas, or if you have a personal finance question, the number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, Duncan, in addition to your work overseas, uh, you are also a published author. Yes, I uh, I put together a book that came out earlier this year called Volunteer Voices, and it's a collection of short stories and reflections for people interested in, in working overseas. So the idea was there were quite a few books on sort of how to get a career in development or history of development or development approaches, things like that. But we wanted to present some ideas on you're an individual, say, going to Honduras to build a school. What do you need to consider for yourself in terms of your expectations and how you can participate most effectively? And so we put out a book that features authors from, well, from all over the world, really, uh, people who've had different experiences that can hopefully help people interested in getting into this space. So we talked a little bit about, as you said, first of all, you really need to consider you know, what, what you really want to get from your experience overseas. If, if you decide that uh, that maybe there is some, uh, you know, the greater good working for to improve water or sanitation in your case or some other things, um, let's talk maybe a little bit more about practical things. What are some things that you need to think about, uh, I guess, uh, passport would be would be one of them. Um, what are some other things that as you, as you begin this journey uh, that you need to think about? Definitely need to get your passport in in order. And here's a sneaky hint: if you have, it takes they have something like ninety days to return your your passport application, um, and you can expedite it for you know several hundred dollars. Uh, but if you just tell them that your travel is fairly soon, they can actually get your passport back to you pretty quickly. And that's that's a thing uh, that people don't realize. You know, if you didn't realize that your passport was expired and you have, you know, say three months before you travel, that's a pretty tight window to get your passport back. Um, but you don't necessarily have to expedite it. So that's a that's a little money saving tip for you right there. <laughs> and then the passports is is perhaps the the easier part because that's within the US, but going abroad visas can be uh, can become a little bit complicated. And I think for for paperwork, for things like health insurance and things like that, a lot of this stuff is often dealt by dealt with by the organization that you're going with. Uh, at least that was that was the case for me. So I, I had to get my passport. But when I was managing this program in Malawi, a lot of the stuff that we did to bring new staff in was was helped to manage their paperwork and their their finances and things like that. So definitely, you you need to be thinking about these things and need to be considering uh, things like visa issues because those can take a long time to process. Um, and but also see what the organization you're working with is 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 doing to help you get there. If it's your first time abroad. Uh, I'd, I'd caution against just showing up in a country and, and hoping for the best uh, and, and doing, doing a bit of homework on what organizations are out there, what, what impact they're having and how they bring in volunteers responsibly to, to make a difference in the long term and then see what support they can, they can provide you because visas can be a real headache. Mm-hmm. And again, remind us, a visa is something that the country that you're going to issues to allow you to come into the country. Is that right? That's exactly it. And there can be different types of visas depending on the work that you're doing. If you're there for a short period of time, perhaps a tourist visa might be enough. And perhaps there might be no cost for a tourist visa. But last year, my wife and I went to Bolivia. And for a U.S., if you're traveling on a U.S. passport, you have to pay $150 in U.S. cash up front in order to enter the country. If you're traveling on a Canadian passport or a French passport, uh, they just stamp you in and it's no problem. Oh, fantastic! So, so try to get try to get a Canadian passport if you're going to Bolivia, <laughs> or just it's, just to check another, on the country before you <laughs> go. So, so the pay, paying a hundred dollars cash at the at the at the gate that sounds uh, that's legit. 
Well, it, <laughs> unfortunately, these these things often come from you know bigger political issues between countries that uh, you know humble volunteers or, or tourists Just don't really have anything between. to do with. So. And so that brings up uh, one thing that I've been thinking about: kind of the difference between just traveling abroad. We've talked a lot about you know how to how to budget for travel, how to plan for travel expenses, and and how to you know protect your finances while you're traveling. Um, what are some differences? You know, okay, so if I was going to travel abroad for you know a month, even you know I might just make sure I have enough money in my bank account. Make sure you know I've told my debit and credit card companies where I'm going to be, um, and and make sure make sure things you know all my bills are going to be paid while I'm out of town, and you know then make sure someone's watching my house. Um, what are some differences between just traveling abroad and spending all your money, and and actually maybe being there for a little longer term, um, maybe actually receiving some uh, some some local currency. What are some differences that, that you would expect between just international travel and international volunteerism or working? Mm-hmm. The the first thing that comes to mind, Ryder, is is the difference in in the the impact that I might have on that place as as a traveler. Mm-hmm. If I'm just traveler and sp- traveling and spending money and and having a good time, I'm not too worried. I'm supporting local businesses, and sure. uh, you know, and if you got your your money and your paperwork and your your health as well, you know, vaccinations and health insurance, you've got your logistics in order. Then you can just go and and have a good time, and that's mm-hmm. that's not too much of an issue. When you start to volunteer, then you're starting to try and influence some something about. About that that place, maybe you're you're trying to make some kind of difference. It becomes a lot bigger than you, exactly. And, and then, you're, and, and then, good time. And and the thing is, there there is an experience for the volunteer. You know, I went abroad for the first time because I wanted to have an experience and I wanted to make a difference. The important thing about that is those are I statements, not necessarily what does the community need or what does this organization need. And and then you have to start considering. Uh, you know, being considerate, being uh, more conscious of these impacts, and being more sensitive to what's going on already uh, when when you're impacting that system. Tourism, you can make some choices with things like uh, ecotourism, perhaps. You know, be, being sensitive about if there's sensitive environmental areas, things like that. Uh, but by and large, I, I think there's more sensitivities you get into when you're starting to volunteer and trying to impact or influence places. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Duncan McNichol, who is sharing his experience of working overseas. Uh, we've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for Duncan, uh, give us a call. Also, any personal finance questions that you have for us today, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. And again, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you, you really have traveled in different parts of the world, different cultures. And I guess this uh, this might be different in different uh, countries, but w- generally are, are volunteers well accepted by the local communities? That's a great question, and and I think one of the, the the first entry point is what is the organization that you're that you're working with, and you know what sort of expectations have they set? Um, I, if people don't want you there, then you you know we should we should be respectful of that. But by and large, where I've worked, um, I've I've been fortunate to work with exceptional partners uh, who who have been really receptive to. Uh, to, to what we've done together. I think there's always a lot of value in creating new connections and, and you know, having some of those, those cross-cultural experiences that are often hilarious because whenever I go to a new culture, you know, I can read up on it and things like that in advance, but I always make mistakes and it's usually funny, uh, you know, as long as we can sort of frame it in that way. And those can be really exciting and really, really fun learning experiences uh, on on both sides. Uh, and I think, especially in in the early days of volunteering, building some of those connections uh, are, are some of the the richest experiences. I think on both sides that both what we leave and, and what we bring back volunteering abroad. Also, you know, we earlier were talking sort of about the frame of mind that that people would would probably need to have when going overseas. And I guess one of them would be. Curiosity. I mean, I think you, would you say that it's good to take advantage of the situation? And uh, well, what I'm saying is, I think a lot of people might go over there and say sheltered in their little area and not venture out to try to sample the foreign cultures. But uh, to me, that sounds like that would be one of the most rewarding parts of the experience is to, while you're in a country, kind of immerse yourself in where you are. Absolutely. I, when we were receiving new new volunteers or new interns into our program in Malawi, we used to talk about three zones. You have the 
the comfort zone, the learning zone, and then the danger zone. And the comfort zone is sort of, you know, I can, I can stay at home where I, I kind of have a handle on everything. And then the learning zone is maybe, well, maybe I'm going to start going to have lunch in the market, or maybe I'm going to, you know, take local transport, or I'm going to do something that's going to, you know, put me into situations where I'm not really sure what to do, but, but I'll probably learn from that. But then, you know, you have to, you have to be reasonable with that and not take, uh, undue risks, which can push you into the danger zone. But I think about when when I first went to live in Malawi, I, I really wanted to live in a in a rural community, and I ended up living with a family that didn't speak English, which was terrifying. Uh, but it pushed me to learn, and and we had we had so many uh, amazing experiences, and and uh, it pushed me in ways that that I I wouldn't have had otherwise. And those were really, really rich experiences. I would encourage absolutely everyone to do that. And I think when you talk about that mindset of, of being curious and being open and, and being humble, people can sense that across languages, across cultures. If, if you're willing to learn, more often than not, people are willing to teach you. And that can be amazing. So one thing, you, okay, so you're working in a rural area in Malawi. Um, and were you getting were you getting paid by your organization and... I mean, what did what how what did you do for besides besides what your family provided you with with food and a place to stay? How did you interact? I guess economically with the area you were in. Did you did you go shopping? Did you did you go buy lunch at the market? And how did you do that? Right, without so, an ATM right there. <laughs> right. So w- one of the things that that I think I kind of forget every time I go abroad is that there's also you know stuff in other countries. There's also shopping Absolutely. malls and ATMs yeah. and and you know there's usually something kind of resembling maybe a Costco or you know there's there's yeah. something not out in the villages but you know there's you can still access uh, a, l- yeah. a lot of what you need and I forget that every time I go. Uh, I think, you know, oh, I need to buy, if I don't buy swim shorts, then I'll never be able to buy them in Malawi. You can buy swim shorts in Malawi somewhere. Um, and, and so I started out, you know, I was, I was placed with this host family, but then my office during the day, I was working with an agricultural research center. And then, you know, we, I'd go into the, we were maybe a 30 kilometer drive from the capital city. And then, so we'd have team meetings periodically. And my living situation changed every year for one of the four years I was in Malawi. I started out, I was living rurally, but working in a district office. And then I went to work with a university at a regional center and I lived in, in a larger city. And then I went to live in the capital where I had every, every amenity available. And so just because I was in the same country, you know, doing this type of work, what I did and who I interacted with uh, changed quite dramatically as my level of, of responsibility and and what I was trying to, to do with my with my work changed. Hmm. Time for another break. Uh, when we get back, we will continue our discussion with Duncan McNichol, who's sharing his experiences of working overseas. We're looking for any personal finance questions that you might have. And also, uh, Graham has a comment for us uh, from Starkville. Graham, we'll get to your call after this break. We've got some open phone lines, though. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 877 672-7464. Send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Back with more Money Talks after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're sitting today with Duncan McNichol, who is sharing his experiences in working overseas. Uh, so we, if you have a question about Duncan, uh, about his experiences, uh, you can give us a call. Also, any personal finance questions that you have. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Before that, though, Graham has called in with a comment for us. You're on the air, Grant. Uh, Graham, go ahead, please. I was—I um, happen to be from Canada too, but maybe a generation or two before 
before Duncan. In fact, I went to school with most of the Gretzky family long before the hockey player came along, Wayne. All right. Wow. I wanted to uh, I wanted to comment on uh, on one of your initial comments about that I think I heard you talking about which was raising the national debt in September as we do year after or season after season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to 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 make people aware and thought this is an excellent opportunity that when we raise the national debt instead of paying taxes or even reducing taxes we help the billionaires get richer the millionaires and billionaires get richer and richer and we put this we put this financial obligation on kids that don't even underappreciate or understand that they're going to have to pay off the, the trillions of dollars 20 trillion dollars i think we already owe uh, the chinese and uh, another 20 trillion dollars to upgrade our uh, uh, our infrastructure here, our bridges and highways, and it's one of the things that I love about Canada. They pay their taxes and keep things clean and uh, up to date, and the highways, uh, though they have much more severe co- uh, uh, climates up there, I find that the highways in Canada are much better up uh, 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 quality than they are here in the States. And I just, uh, I think that the, that the students, the young people, ought to form a national organization to, to lobby in, in uh, Washington to prevent taxes being reduced and billionaires getting richer because they're going to have to pay all these they pay all this uh, off at some point their children and grandchildren even are going to be obligated with this enormous financial obligation that they're going that the uh, Congress is going to to uh, increase uh, in September when they raise the debt limit. Anyway, that's my comment, and hope that it's uh, uh, that somebody picks up on this. I I try to tell every young person I see that they ought to think about this seriously and try to exert some political influence somehow if they can. All right, uh, Graham. Thanks for calling, Ryder. You know, we talk about financial literacy and that sort of thing, and and letting young people know about personal finance and that sort of thing. But part of that is, as Graham mentions, there's that sort of broader view, right? And, and that's something is just as important to to be aware of, right? And and so one thing he touched on was kind of the interplay between uh, the debt and taxes. So, like I mentioned, the government can fund itself either by borrowing money or by raising money from its citizens, and. If you if you want to cut taxes, so there's a lot of talk about cutting taxes right now. And if you cut taxes, then you have less, you immediately have less government revenue, even if you hope that pays itself off in in greater economic growth. So if you have less government revenue, then you're going to at least in the short term need to borrow more money. And so that's one trade off you you make right there. And then the other trade off is that when you're when you're issuing more debt and spending more spending more debt borrowing more money especially if you're not raising taxes in the current uh then you are going to have to raise taxes in the future um unless you know just this the economic benefits are you know just fantastic uh but that's in america that's kind of unlikely we don't have absurdly high taxes um we do love to complain about our taxes because we have a lot of little nitpicky things and a lot of little details to filing them and it's a hassle but the total amount that we pay is not absurd so reducing taxes it's it's not clear if that's really going to provide the uh desired uh economic stimulus. We are on Money Talks today visiting with Duncan McNichol, who is sharing his experiences in working overseas. Uh, He's the author of the book Volunteer Voices, Key Insights from International Development Experiences. We've got some open phone lines, so if you have a question for Duncan, uh, it's a unique uh, story, so this is your opportunity to to call in and ask a question. Also, any personal finance questions that you have for us, the number is 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-672. 7464. Duncan, you worked for the group uh, Engineers Without Borders in Canada, um, uh, and I imagine there are a number of similar um, organizations like that that do work overseas. Is there 
I don't know, a clearinghouse or how if someone was interested and, and wanted to hook up with a group? Because I think from what we've said so far, it sounds like it's good to have sort of that that partner to help you when you go overseas. Uh, where would they go about trying to find organizations like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think what we'll do as well is we'll we'll post some links uh, at the online at the end of the show where, where people can go for a bit more information. There are there are a number of fellowships through definitely through colleges and, and universities where where you can look for these international programs. Many of them have set up quite quite good international programs. And then also things I was with Engineers Without Borders Canada, which is a bit different than EWB USA, where we had we had longer term programs. One of the things that I've seen that, that I really like are some of these fellowships uh, where my, my wife, for example, went with the Global Health Corps to Malawi, and that's, that's where we ended up meeting. Things like Global Health Corps, Princeton in Africa, the, the Peace Corps potentially is, is very popular in the States. One of the things about the Peace Corps, uh, it's very good for getting some of that, that on-the-ground experience. Uh, uh, some of these other fellowships, I, I think, seem to offer more direct professional skills that are built into the program. Um, but Peace Corps can definitely provide some of those opportunities as well. And Peace Corps is also something that will take care of absolutely everything to, to help get you overseas, if that's something you're interested in. Most of these fellowships that I've talked about, however, Global Health Corps or Princeton in Africa or Peace Corps, Acumen Foundation, these are, these are typically longer commitments. And they're quite, they can be quite competitive as well something like a year or, or perhaps a, a two-year commitment. If you're looking for something shorter term, uh, perhaps uh, mission work through through maybe a church group. Um, I, I don't have as many <laughs> links to that in Mississippi specifically, uh, but I, I know that they're out there. What I would encourage people to do is to look into the details and ask questions about, you know, what, what impact are you having and what can I ex- reasonably expect to accomplish in that time? And, and ask those questions of the organization, uh, wherever that is, to make sure that, um, that they're, they're doing what they need to do, both so that you have a really great experience and uh, you have a real impact on the ground. Uh, you mentioned the competitive nature of some of these things. Uh, would you have any uh, insight as to what someone, if they were interested, might do to, uh, quote-unquote, polish their resume, as it were? Sure. The The resume thing is is interesting. When we were hiring... When we were hiring people internationally, both interns and, and people who were uh, people for permanent staff, a lot of people have had very good resumes where they, you know, they showed good analytical abilities or, or good perhaps technical skills. You know, if your role is in constructing something or, or engineering and things like that, a lot of people have good technical abilities. I think what what made candidates stand out for us were some of the softer skills. Where some of the some of the situations where we say we need to send you to a district water office in northern Malawi. This is an unfamiliar culture and an unfamiliar place, and we need you to build a relationship with the staff there so that you know you can support them to innovate on how they're delivering water services to the communities. You can be really smart, but without those interpersonal skills, without some of that emotional intelligence and some of that resilience as well, where we needed to see you know if someone hits a roadblock. They're not just going to stop. They're going to be able to critically evaluate, you know, what that situation is, identify a way forward and, and keep moving. And I think at the end of the day, those were some of the skills that stood out for us and what we really hired for more so than than the technical ability, because a lot of people look great on paper. But t- sending someone internationally to an unfamiliar environment is, is a big risk to take on someone. And uh, and we needed to have confidence that they can um they have the resilience to to cope with some potentially challenging situations. We have a caller on the line. It is uh, Cornish from South Haven. Good morning. You're on the air. Go ahead. Yes. Good morning. I uh, first let me say I'm I was born and raised and schooled in Jamaica, but I've been in the United States since 1968, and uh, one of my fondest memories was of a Canadian Peace Corps. Uh, Mr. Tonks, who came down from Canada as a Peace Corps and opened uh, the door to um, accounting. Uh, he conducted the accounting class, taught us accounting and things like that in a part of Jamaica called uh, Chapleton, a school called Clarendon College. And I, after he left, he was there for three years, two of which he lived in my family's home, <coughs> Um, as a guest, I have to tell you, to this very day, I think about Mr. Tonks and what he taught. He was experienced. He was educated, obviously. Um, 
course, he didn't have to contend with some of the um, some of the usual uh, visas and things like that and passport because, uh, like uh, Canada, Jamaica was a member of the Commonwealth, the British Commonwealth. Uh, so basically, you go in between. But um, when I compare the basic education that I received or that we received um, as students through Mr. Tonks over those three years. I find it outstanding, and I would encourage others uh, to go ahead and, if they have the education and the expertise, go on down, and um, and they will find it rewarding. Um, I don't have a problem with um, what I've encountered in the United States because of um, what Mr. Tonks imparted to us as a Peace Corps accounting teacher, and that's all I have to say. All right, uh, Cornish, thanks for the call. And I f- think we kind of touched on this earlier, but this is it, it's a two-way street. You can uh, have an impact on, on the, the foreign culture, and, and then they um, – and you he, – he, obviously, Cornish talks about, you know, the experience he had of, of working with. So you're not only doing good there, but I say it's, it's a two-way street, it's I guess. Ways. Yeah, I, absolutely. So one of, one of the things that stood out that he was saying is that um, I, I guess, like you said, uh, Peace Corps is they very comprehensive. They take care of everything. So that's obviously a very stable program and it he seemed to be saying more the the fact that it was such a stable developed program probably made it more effective um are there things that either you would look for in an organization as far as saying is this organization stable enough to make a good impact or even for yourself um you know because if you you know, if you have an organization who provides you with a, a a task to do, but maybe they're not providing you with housing and you didn't realize and you're just all in a panic about your housing the whole time or, or food or something, you're probably not making a great impact. What sort of, on both the volunteer and the organization side, should you look for kind of financial stability? How do, we, how do you look for that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I, I think in general, I'd say about any organization you're considering, just don't be afraid to ask. Because if they can't answer, you, you ask some very good questions there, Ryder, and then if you put that to an organization and they don't have a clear answer and could show a track record of how they've handled those types of things in the past, then then that's a flag. I think some of these, what stood out for me as well with Cornish is that this program seemed to be really well set up. So it was something where you know Mr. Tonks could come in and he knew what he was getting into. He knew there was a clear opportunity where that matched his skill set, where he could say, I'm going to bring my, I think it was accounting. You know, I'm going to bring this skill set. I know there's a need for it. I know there's a good fit. And, and I can just plug right into that. And I, I don't know how to, how to put that, you know, exactly make sure that the organization says this or says that. But that's the right question to be asking is if I bring my skill set, does this dovetail into a need? Does this dovetail into a program where, you know, it's, it's really going Going to, it's likely to have that benefit on both sides. And look at the track records, see what they've done in the past, look at some of those success stories, potentially even reach out to past members of the organization to talk to them about their experience and put those questions to them. And, and I think about that uh, a lot of times because I always see uh, new, people very excited about maybe a new organization or a no, new opportunity. And then I think, you know, it. You know, is it is it going to be here next year? Um, you know, somebody somebody starts a new mission somewhere, and you know, maybe they maybe a church does does work in an area for a little while, but then maybe they find they want to work in another in another area, and that you know that has a real impact. Um, their leaving has a real impact on the place, just as their arrival did too. Absolutely. And and I think for any organization that's trying to establish itself overseas, it takes a long time to develop partnerships. You can bring expertise or you can bring uh, material or you can bring resources. But really, in, in a lot of places, things get done because you know someone, because you have a relationship, because you trust each other. And that takes a long time to develop those things. So if it's an organization that's just popped up, my concern would be that it's not really you know plugged into those networks. And, and therefore perhaps causing harm in ways that it's, it's not aware of because it doesn't have that, that deep rooted understanding of the context and the relationships to really maximize on what it can do. So it sounds like a new organization might benefit from older, more experienced volunteers who can help provide those connections. But if you're looking for a new, op- if, if you're new to international volunteering, if you're new to international work, you know, don't don't just get jaded by, you know, oh, this is, you know, this organization's been around. I want to do something new. No, it, 
that an older organization is probably going to be more effective, maybe. Right. And I, I would look at it in the way, you know, you look at you look at many professions, you know, d- development is I, I think there's there's a lot to it to, to do it well in the same way that you develop legal expertise or you develop medical expertise. If you're going to be a lawyer, you want to work with a, you know, a firm that, you know, is is doing good work and can provide you with with good training. Same thing with uh, with the medical profession. And I think development is is something to be considered similarly. Uh, I think it's. There's there's a risk of naivety if you uh, for anyone showing up and thinking that you know a small organization with limited resources and a limited amount of time is really going to to make a positive impact. Um, there, there's a history of those things you know not not working as well as intended, despite the best of intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to take one final break. Uh, when we get back, we will continue our visit with Duncan McNichol. He is sharing his experiences working abroad. He's also the uh, author of the book Volunteer Voices: Key Insights from International Development Experiences. Still time to work in a phone call if you're listening and are interested in learning more. Give us a call. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. The phone number is one eight seven seven. Back to wrap up Money Talks after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. As an MPB listener, you probably know of Radio Reading Service, our free closed-circuit network for the print impaired. But did you know that means Radio Reading Service isn't only for the visually impaired and that MPB provides the special receiver you need for the service? Call 601-432-6301 to see if you qualify for MPB's Radio Reading Service. 601-432-6301. There's so much more to know. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email money at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're visiting today with Duncan McNichol, who's been sharing his experiences of working abroad. He's also the author of the book Volunteer Voices, Key Insights from International Development Experiences. Duncan, we're just kind of touching on the surface and imagine there's really much more uh, in-depth and, and, and stories and, and things in your book. If someone's interested in, in this sort of thing, where would they go to find the book? Yes, it's available on Amazon.com. And if you'd like more information about the book, you can also visit its website at volunteervoices.info. Okay. Uh, That thing is, you know, this is certainly would be a transition, I guess. If someone were living in a somewhat urban setting in the United States, they might end up in in a very rural setting abroad. Uh, There's the different cultures that we've talked about, that sort of thing. Um, Talk about the transition period, uh, about how, in your experiences, how long did it take and, and what should someone expect making that transitional journey? Well, that's a great question. We we used to talk about uh, what we called the culture shock, culture shock cycle, which usually comes in waves. When you first go, you're usually really excited to be there, and, and you know things are new and things are exciting, and you're engaged. And then over time, maybe a bunch of little stresses add up, uh, and then you start to miss home or something like that. And then and then you kind of hit a trough, and then you find a maybe find your stride and develop a bit of a routine, and then things get better. And that's um, I think that that's that can sort of continue to happen where it comes in waves and and some sometimes it's amazing being abroad and new and exciting and sometimes you think I just wish I could you know go to Wendy's and get a cheeseburger or something <laughs> and uh, and and I, I I think that's part of it but but overall I I, I found that the longer I was I was somewhere the more I was able to establish what what felt like a, a sense of normalcy and a sense of comfort and uh, you know and really. Yeah, I really start to feel at home, even in in very foreign places. And you know, these days with Skype 
FaceTime, that sort of thing. You think it's important to maybe maintain a connection with your folks back home, with the people that you know back home, to just stay connected even though you're – and maybe to refresh your, your batteries, as it were? Oh, absolutely. And uh, and as you say with new technology, it's getting easier and easier. When I first went abroad, we had to – well, I, it was it was much much more difficult. But now with things like like WhatsApp or, or Skype, um, you know, I haven't lived in the same city as my my parents now for a number of years. But um, but I still see them frequently. Um, you know, airfare can also be uh, relatively inexpensive, and that that makes new things possible. And so we're able to stay uh, stay connected. Uh, fortunately. The other thing that you mentioned uh, during the break was that, you know, um, a lot of times when you go overseas, you're working on these big projects that these are difficult uh, problems to solve. And and so you talked about the idea of expectations and and maybe not to to be too discouraged. Uh, Talk a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, I I think it's a really important point because it's. Everyone who tries to work on big problems, uh, you know, getting water supply to communities, gets jaded and burnt out at some point because it's hard, because people have been working on this for decades and the track record isn't always, always that great. And I've seen a lot of talented young people, you know, come up with with fire in their belly and and burn out ultimately. And it's usually because of something to do with expectations where things are more difficult than, than people realize. They're more complex. They're more, more whatever. And, and the people that I see who are more successful are the ones who are able to persevere through that. The ones who are able to see, well, you know, I'm not able to make as much of a difference as I expected or things are, the problem is different than what I expected and then readjust and say, well, you know, if I can't change any, everything, what can I change and where are there opportunities? And to persevere with that. And I think that's if, if young people who are wanting to get into the space could could sort of take you know one idea and run with it. I, I'd hope it'd be that to not not give up the first time it seems uh, seems impossible. Also, you know, the, the, our caller from Jamaica. I guess maybe you should realize that perhaps that the big problem that you came over to help with hasn't been completely solved, but you might be having an impact on folks in that local uh, community, that local culture that you're not aware of, but that you're making an impact and will be remembered for what you've done while you're there. Absolutely, absolutely, and that, that can be in terms of you know skills like what, what Cornish was talking about, and and some of those connections and and what you bring back as well. Realizing you know your place in, a, in an enormous world and and your play the roles that you can play in terms of trying to not maybe not solve but um, contribute in, in positive ways to some of these really big problems. All right, just about 20 seconds left. If you would, remind us of your book. And if folks wanted more information about uh, about your book, where would they go? Yes, thank you. Uh, my book is Volunteer Voices, Key Insights from International Development Experiences. It is available on Amazon.com. And for more info, you can also visit volunteervoices.info. All right. Duncan, thanks very much. It's been really uh, an interesting hour uh, learning about uh, your experiences abroad. Money Talks is a production of MPP Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks there's also the mpb public radio app download that for your smartphone and you can listen to mpb think radio on your schedule our show is produced by liz gill and our call screener today was java chapman so for Ryder taff and duncan mcnichol i'm kevin farrell inviting you to stay tuned up next at 10 it's in legal terms we'll be back next tuesday at nine for another money talks that's heard only on mpb think radio 